Hi, this is Bobby Kamari, and I want to thank you for listening to the Living in Light podcast, where we love to explore some of the incredible ways that God shows up with his love, light, and liberty in and through everyday people like you and me. So I'm joined today by the gorgeous Stacey Skeet from Kingdom Choir. She's going to share some of her powerful story with you all and talk about her heart for sexual restoration and a whole lot more. So I hope you love the show. I am here with the beautiful Stacey Skeet. Um, Loads of you will know Stacey from Kingdom Choir. Um, who sung at the Royal Wedding last year and literally took the world by storm and they still continue to do so. You might know her from The Voice, um, where she was a contestant a couple of years ago. She is a really incredible, inspiring role model on social media with such a positive, powerful message. So some of you may know Stacey from social media and of course, most recently, her Live or Exist Your Choice platform. Um, which we're going to hear a little bit more about later on in the show. So, yeah, she she is definitely not an unfamiliar face. Um, mm-hmm. so many of you do know her. But, Stacey, welcome hey. to Light. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Bobby. I'm super, super excited, <laughs> Stacey, honestly. Um, the reason I actually asked Stacey to come on this show um, is really, I guess, Stacey, for you to share your story um because yeah. it's so real and it's a, a story of like liberation and redemption and mm. such restoration um and I just think it's going to be so powerful because it's raw and it's gritty and it's so real um yeah. and that's what I'd love for um the listeners uh, yeah. of the show today to kind of get a glimpse into but I do want to just put a disclaimer out there um for anyone who is listening, we are going to be talking about sexuality. We are going to be talking about some really real and raw um, issues. And so if you have got young children in the room, it might be something that actually you would prefer to listen to um, privately, unless, of course, your children do have like a biblical understanding and a healthy understanding of sexuality. Um, But if that's something that hasn't yet kicked in, then just a warning that this is going to be quite a raw podcast. Um, Stacey, why don't you tell everyone, I mean, obviously I mentioned, you know, what you do, but tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about who you are. Wow, that is a loaded question. (laughs) I am a daughter, a sister, a friend. I am pretty chilled in general. I love authenticity. That's something I really live by. And my ultimate heart is I really care about, I care about a lot of things, but my deep passion is supporting women that have survived sexual trauma. Mm. So that's anything such as rapes, molestation, trafficking, all that stuff, and just really helping them come out of that and just, you know, support that restoration process. So, so awesome. So awesome. And that's definitely one of the the reasons that I'm just loving, you know, the fact that we're going to have this chat together. And actually, that's Mm -hmm. what's behind Live or Exist, your choice, right? That's the heart behind that work. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so that's been on my heart for the longest time. But like anything that God gives you, it feels so big bigger than me because mm-hmm. it's not about oh stay let's do this thing for hype no I felt God's heart all over it you know I would hear the cries of the kids in my dreams of the parents wow. trying to find the kids like it was a big thing so I know that it's um something that God wants on this earth 
And so I finally stepped out this year to do it. So we, it's going to be huge. But for now, we're yeah, starting on. with a three day luxury retreat, mm. um, <clears throat> which we want to do once a month. And then also a membership mastermind. So if you're looking for somewhere just to have a safe environment to talk things through, to get, you know, really good support, I'll be doing it with a therapist and specialist for trauma. And we'll just do that with you twice a month. Um, on a conference call kind of setting just like 10 women at a time so yeah we're gonna build it and build it and build it it sounds so great I've seen the images of actually the luxury retreat and that in itself is such a beautiful thing because restoration um, is quite a beautiful thing isn't it even the process sometimes there's Mm -hmm. a sense that it it's ugly, but actually there's a beauty to restoration that we sometimes don't see. And I love the fact that the setting that you're providing for these retreats is actually really quite a beautiful setting. Um, and it almost yeah. adds to that sense of God coming in and actually beautifying our places of brokenness. Exactly. And we really understand that environment is so important when mm. dealing with tough stuff. Mm. And so I don't want to be telling you that you are worth this you're worth that and I'm putting you somewhere that is trashy I'm not going to do that so So, I want everything they experience to reflect God's heart so So that was um and actually I love that you spoke about environment because that's what I would love us just to talk a little bit about because um as some of you that are listening may know I wrote a book recently called Sacred Sexuality and and a lot of the stuff that I looked at in the book was the environment that we grow up in that shapes Mm. our pursuit of intimacy and actually shapes our sexual journey, shapes the way that we see connection, the way that we kind of see our value, our self-worth, how we give love, how we receive love. And so much of that is fundamentally shaped in the environment that that we've grown up in. And so to hear about some of your story mm-hmm. tell me well, what was the environment like for you as you were growing up from being a child and having intimacy role modeled to you and how it began to shape maybe unconsciously or consciously how it began to shape your sense of value or your sense of connection or love like what was intimacy like yeah. growing up with your family so I have been really blessed to have two amazing parents that I know love me and they show me that in the best way they can (laughs) because that's also very key yeah it's not that people don't love you it's that they have a certain capacity to do certain things so we need to separate wickedness from weakness sometimes just Mm. a sidebar but um yeah so I grew up in a nurturing home I always I was told I was loved um especially by my dad every day multiple times a day my mum wouldn't necessarily say it but I felt it she did everything for me anything I needed she would be there so um in terms of intimacy I never felt afraid to to share or to be open or to tell people that I love them Mm. I would always be quite opening Uh, opening (laughs) open and loving (laughs) to people and I wouldn't naturally have that fear of oh no what if I say something and they're gonna think this I would just kind of feel free to say it so I think yeah. that was a good start. I kind of built like a secure attachment from a young age. And did you see your did you see your parents? Um, were your parents intimate with one another in front of you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. So um, my, as I said, my dad was very affectionate. He would always try and kiss my mum's "I love you." She'd be like, "Oh, get away!" Wow. So 
that was that I guess looking back as a child was a little confusing for me because I saw someone who was pursuing that Mm. affection and love kind of stuff and the other one who didn't really know what to do with it Mm. and for her own reasons within their relationship she wasn't trying to feel nothing from him Mm. so Mm. I was you know I guess in a sense I was torn between what I felt from them individually and also what I saw going on between them and it sometimes it's hard to separate that as a kid yeah so true so true so like do you I mean obviously at a young age when our understanding of connection is being shaped do you consciously have any sense of like how that might have impacted you and your capacity to maybe give love or receive love when when you saw the way that your parents you know one was giving love and the other wasn't from any conscious um, Mm -hmm. rejection trying to not receive the love but actually how did that dynamic affect the way that you give or receive love do you have any conscious understanding of that I don't think I took it on but probably subconsciously um I took a lot of my my dad's side in terms of the the loving nurturing side and believing the best and stuff Mm. and when it came to difficult situations I could cut off which is more my mum so yeah yeah, as I grew as a child not not really because you don't really have things to worry about or think about in my in my experience but um as I got older definitely I could see how I was operating from more like my mum's side of things and then Mm. also my dad Mm. very interesting and the thing is like at the time you don't even realize that um that these things are like influencing you like it's only when you grow up and you look back and then you you see that connection It is so crucial, isn't it, like how we're being shaped in the home. And that's why I think um, it's so powerful and it has to be so purposeful to create an environment of such love and affirmation and actually where where intimacy has been role modelled in such a healthy way in the home. And obviously that's not always possible because, you know, we live in broken homes oftentimes and there's fractured Mm. relationships and stuff. But I think the the actual intentional pursuit of building homes of love is so paramount because it does mm. shape the way that we navigate through intimacy and connection and self-worth and all of that stuff for the rest of our life really doesn't it yeah absolutely absolutely in in sacred sexuality I talk about different stages of just our normal sexual development so the way that we've been created by God it's like mm-hmm. we have different stages of like nurturing with our families um you know being around our parents and then being around our siblings and then going to school and being around peers and yeah obviously, you know interacting with the opposite sex and then puberty and adolescence like all of that stuff we have stages of sexual development in our lives which we want them to be developed as healthily as possible and yeah. I think that can be quite tricky because we live in such a sexualized culture where you know during those stages of development there's so much that the enemy can bring in in those different stages through through tv or through a broken home or all of Mm. that stuff so for you in the stages of you just growing up as a normal teenager what was like your interaction with the opposite sex like like do you remember what that was like for you as you were developing as a young teenager um do you think you had quite a healthy understanding of sexuality to be honest, growing up, 
I feel because everything kind of shifted for me so early anyway mm. at 14 I think before that I wasn't really thinking about that I think I just saw them ah oh, like mates mm. I didn't really I don't think I grasped the concept of sexuality but I mean the scary thing is that even like I remember I think I was in year six and you know a guy would like I said guy a little boy Mm-hmm. be like oh like let me show you my thing like so yeah. stuff was going on like from yeah. that age so I can't even imagine what's going on in the schools right now yeah now that we're exposed to so much but I think I never really like had boyfriends or anything you know at that young mm. age so I was kind of mm-hmm. just floating as a young kid mm. I think mm. the thing is like where we have these normal stages of development that impact the way that we see intimacy and relationships and all of that stuff Mm. um there's Mm. also when we have unique circumstances that come and that will interrupt that healthy development those Mm. unique circumstances have the potential to completely impact our sexual journey in such a radical way and you actually had such a unique circumstance happen to you that changed everything about the way that you see sexuality so can you tell me about that unique circumstance yeah sure so the first unique circumstance was when I was 14 years old Mm. I was gang raped by 10 men um and then another I was raped another three times by individuals after that and then I had lots of kind of sexual assaults within that because of the amount of lies I was believing about myself I found Mm. myself in lots of difficult and scary situations after that that's crazy Stacey I mean even though I I know that's what happened but when you when you share it and when you talk about it and actually the repetition in the sense that it didn't just happen to you once um yeah it didn't just happen to you by one person I mean Mm. the different times that it happened and the scale at which it happened is crushing Mm. to actually Mm. hear that that happened to you the way that happened and the amount of times that it happened um so like what what did that do for you like even just like the first rape alone yeah what how what did you think of what happened how did you feel I think the most um, pressing thing I felt was numb, numbness initially. Um, and and on that night, a seed was planted in my head that said, Stacy, you don't get to say no anymore. Yeah. Like, you are not worth anything anymore. You don't have value. Number one, they took your virginity. You're not some prize anymore. Yeah. You are dirty. You're yeah. tainted. Yeah. So what makes you think that you can say no if someone wants sex with you as as if you're valuable or something that was the biggest lie I was believing so obviously around that time when you know guys would approach me and I'd always notice it was the kind of like thuggy kind of guys I was like hey 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 them kind of guys that hang out on the street right yeah so they would approach and be like hey like let me have your number and obviously inside I'm thinking no because yeah. I'm just 14 yeah. like my, I'm not, my brain ain't even fully developed yet proper yeah. um I would always say yes because I was afraid I was afraid yeah. what if they hurt me if I say no I was afraid what if they call my number right now and it's wrong they might beat me up 
Yeah. When you've been traumatized and, and you've experienced such violence at the mm. hands of men, you're not really trying to get in that position again wow. on purpose. Yeah. So you everything you do is is controlled by that fear. Mm. So um I mean initially I didn't want to tell anyone because I was threatened quite a bit on the night of the first gang rape and the guy on the guys is like I don't care how long I get in jail I am gonna get out I am gonna find you and I am gonna kill you so obviously as a 14 year old you're not trying to tell them yeah but my friend um the day because it was during the school week and my friend the day after I went into school and I told my friend and she was like Stace you have three days Mm. it was on a Wednesday and she's like if you don't tell your parents by Friday I will be calling your house and telling them myself and I was like oh man man but I think in my head I was thinking oh that's three days I've got time to convince her she wasn't joking she called my house wow and she did tell my parents so if it wasn't for that I think I may might have you know kept the secret for a long time so I do Mm -hmm. understand how people can feel Mm -hmm. so afraid to share anything Mm because you're afraid of the consequence right Mm -hmm. what what I mean what were some of the consequences aside from the emotional stuff which I definitely want to um chat about but were there were there like physical consequences of the the rape at all Oh yeah, um, absolutely. And I actually still suffer now. Right. So um, I mean, you wouldn't unless you know me. You wouldn't know because yeah. I don't walk yeah. around. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But, not at all. So yeah. I mean, for for a good few weeks, every Wednesday, I remember after school, I had to go hospital and then just get injections just to clear myself out, just to get rid yeah. of any STIs or yeah. things yeah. like that. I. I wore a neck brace at school, which again at the time was humiliating. And then um, also had this thing on my back, which would make you twitch because like the nerves and stuff were a bit off. So, you know, it was just a mess. And obviously at the time, the girl who actually took me to space for the rape, she started to bully me and take, you know, spread rumors. She's got that neck brace on because she's given all these guys head. There's a lot of stuff, like emotional stuff yeah. going on. Um, but yeah, definitely physical stuff. And yeah. it would cause me to not want to be like, you know how you're with your girlfriends and you kind mm. of lean on each other. Hey, like, love you. Like, like they love you. Like, it's fine. There's nothing to be afraid of. But I sure. <clears throat> would sometimes get a bit like, oh my gosh, could okay, get up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I wouldn't necessarily want you to alarm me for yeah. a of course like if I feel like I'm restrained or anything mm-hmm. I would feel like no get off so I think yeah. they, those were the main things I initially struggled with yeah did telling your parents like did you did it bring you any relief the fact that you you know that someone close to you actually knew about it aside from obviously your friend like how was that for you telling your parents about what had happened um <clears throat> any relief no complete opposite right so um how it happened was they came after they got the phone call from my friend they came up to my bedroom and they were like Stace we're going to ask you some questions just Mm. answer yes or no so they didn't make me go into stuff initially um so they'd say things like did you go here they'd say did they hurt you did they penetrate you obviously I'd be like yes 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 whatever and then I was like okay but don't tell anyone else you know you know fine great my parents but the police were at my house like two, three in the morning. 
Wow. And so after that, you know, when you've you've shared something and you're like, okay, that's enough. That's all mm. I can do right now. Don't tell anyone. And the police yeah. are in your house taking your clothes away in a black bag. You feel like you're some case <laughs> from a movie. Yeah. I just felt like even more like betrayed and stuff. Even though I know now, like they love me. They were afraid. Yeah. They wanted to sort things out, right? Yeah. Um, but I didn't feel a sense of relief because I didn't get the emotional you know they said okay go counseling for a while but it wasn't it didn't last and I never got says how are you today how's your heart today I didn't really get that after from them and I guess looking back I've had conversations with them and they both just didn't know how to handle me they didn't know it was heartbreaking for them and so you know I do understand that to to an extent I do I don't understand that and I guess like to a certain degree, did you did you just learn just how to put your brave face on and just get on with life? If if obviously you couldn't necessarily show your emotions to anyone and there wasn't anyone digging under the surface, like did you literally just learn how to get on with life in a mechanical way and pretend it wasn't happening or pretend it didn't affect you? Like how did you deal with the trauma and the bullying and the after effects of what you were going through not just once but repeatedly like what were your coping mechanisms I'll tell you what I did learn how to do Mm. I learned how to keep secrets and that leads on to other things but I say that to say when you're when you feel like you're unseen when you feel like no one's hearing you you feel like you have no choice to do things in the dark yeah and so what I did initially because at 40 I'm thinking what do people do when they're not happy Mm. and in my head for some reason maybe what I was watching and stuff I thought okay people drink they smoke and they cut themselves so as a 14 year old that's what I started to do so every day I would bring rum and coke to school without fail um I tried cutting a few times smoking drinking that kind of stuff um but still in that no one no one saw me and even one time I said to my mum mum what's that what's those pills you can get that make you feel happy yeah and she's just like oh what do you mean pro plus yeah. she did it bless her she didn't clock that I'm yeah. reaching out for help here yeah I'm actually severely depressed because mm. I just was so used to be like hey supporting others and be like yeah I'm all right mm. yeah, yeah very interesting <laughs> So I guess if I'm really aware, like now when people are hiding, mm, I can see it from a mile off. Yeah, my yeah, 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 because you've been there, like, yeah, totally. Yeah. And so like where you were now cutting and obviously you're into alcohol and smoking, how did that then have a knock-on effect on like, you know, who you were becoming? Like how did the rape and then the the continued violation of you, like how did that then have a knock-on effect on the way you began to navigate through maybe relationships did you have relationships like how did you now see physical intimacy tell me a bit about that yeah I I think I I just became a shell of myself so I was there but I wasn't really there I would dissociate a lot so the times when I would get approached by those guys and I would end up meeting them mm. um just as a little link used to put it back in the day Mm. I I just felt like I was just there and I kind of expected to to be used up I never felt like oh initially never oh this is what I want to do so oh here we go again so I just blank out like okay I deal with the I deal with the emotional stuff emotional stuff later 
um so initially I didn't really have relationships I think maybe a few years after I had my first relationship and that's when I I I was having sex I didn't necessarily feel protected or really loved but I felt like I was at a stage where I could enjoy it okay so that that was a shift there um I think you just get comfortable I think I just got comfortable with him that's probably what it was right did you ever feel valued by any guy never so even when you were like you said you were just a link but were were there any long-term relationships where um intimacy was being developed beyond just physical stuff or was your mindset just that sex and relationships they are all just about flesh on flesh and there's nothing more pretty much yeah I mean now when I think of intimacies like into me you see like you see my heart yeah, you see yeah, my yeah. soul my fears mm. everything mm. back then no no none of that it mm. will be I don't even know what I was even talking about on the phone <laughs> what what is it I, I mean now I could never tolerate a conversation that yeah surface. I don't yeah, know yeah, how yeah. I did it but um it was mainly just sex every time we met we would definitely always have sex for sure mm. and just like silly conversations so yeah no not intimacy at all and when you said um because you just mentioned that you know you began to actually then enjoy sex um yeah from going from a place of like it being something that had violated you to actually now being something that you could for in one way or another gain pleasure from it um so how did how did that like begin to unfold like where did it becomes something that you actually could enjoy was it because of the guy that you were with like what was happening there so I would say number one I enjoyed it just purely the physical feeling that you get Mm -hmm. and that stemmed from an addiction to pornography and masturbation right which came shortly after the rape and so because I you know, you're you're in a constant cycle of fear and shame and yeah. guilt. Yeah. And so when I get to the end bit, guilt, oh, I need something that will make me feel just a little bit all right mm, for a second. Yeah. So I do yeah. that, but then I feel the shame, the yeah. fear again and guilt. And it's just a, a messed up cycle. So when I was in that, um, I felt that I could just even use him to get that. Yeah. that I became like, I don't care. I don't actually care because... I'm not cared about here don't necessarily care about you and Mm. um it's a mess anyway it's no point trying to act like it's a holy thing here Mm. I Mm. think in my brain and I think because I was at the time in a relationship with someone who I later found out was addicted to porn himself that's when it went off the charts Bobby so this whole spiritual thing yeah to spirit yeah yeah ladies like if you're listening yeah don't play about with that sex thing because mm. every demon that that person has or you have yeah <laughs> swap, exactly. swap, swap, swap. yeah yeah and it will just be really tough so yeah. that's really when I noticed it got really strong mm. um so yeah that's when I just started to feel the need a lot more Mm. that is crazy because I mean loads of people just don't even realize that sex is never casual it's spiritual it's emotional it's neurological it's obviously physical and when two become one whether it's like a link or whether it's marriage two are becoming one and when you are then in 
a relationship with someone and soul ties are being formed, Mm -hmm. what they're carrying, good or bad, Mm -hmm. is going to be transferred over to you. But people just don't know the truth of that. And that's why I'm grateful that we're having this conversation. That's why I'm grateful for resources out there that actually do expose the truth that sex is far more than just flesh on flesh. Like there is actually a high price to pay for cheap sex. So true. And I think the lie that people are believing, which I believed is that, oh, you know, I'm not hurting no one. I'm not, I'm not having sex out there. I'm just doing it in my room, like porn. No, that is a lie from the pit of hell. And we need to stop believing that. We need to, no, we need to stop now. And I'm saying that as like a big sis, we Mm. need to stop. Mm-hmm. because you know I was friends with this amazing lady she used to be in the porn industry right. ex-porn star she's a Christian now she runs yeah. another ministry and she would tell me what it's really like behind the scenes yeah so these women are not happy yeah they are they are forced to be high on drugs a lot of them are suicidal a lot of them have many diseases and infections they are treated like absolute dogs yeah you know one of my friends she had scissors put up her the stuff that they go through there's feces there's we everywhere Mm. on the sets Mm. they Mm. have to have sex sometimes for eight hours straight Mm. and they have to be on the drugs to even just get get through that so when you're masturbating and you are looking at that and you're tying your souls to those people no wonder you come off and you feel like you want to kill yourself no wonder you come off feeling depressed that you've got this weight on top of you because you are swapping spirits yeah it's that transference yeah you're um you're creating a soul tie with a virtual image you are actually making a covenant with a virtual image and you know when it comes to the porn industry like it gets so glamorized to the point where the the lie the actual deception that what happens porn knows what intimacy should be like when in fact in fact what happens in um porno images or porno films or whatever like that's such a violation of the way god actually created sex to be and it's such a messed up fantasy that if you end up seeing that as your norm then Mm. you will never actually be able to have a healthy intimate relationship with your spouse like it's impossible to be engaged with pornography and then have normal sex with a human being because the the two are so far removed like one when it comes to porn it's like it over excites your brain when actually god created us to yes be excited for sure yes to have our neurological wiring you know excite us but but actually he also created us for human touch and for the mm. pleasure that comes when two human beings are together in a covenant relationship and actually when we get addicted to porn we're denying ourselves of real connection but we live in a society where there is so much brokenness where porn yeah. is, is a go-to you know for depression a go-to for fulfillment and for you certainly the porn and masturbation was somewhere that you went like to Mm. escape right and to just actually get a release from the pain even if it was temporary it's so true and even in that Bobby that that thought process of oh I'm getting a release is temporary no you're not you're killing yourself Mm. secret sins kill the body literally your physical body and your spiritual it kills you so it's not, you're not releasing anything. And if I was to put it in a sentence, porn is literally men masturbating in women's bodies. It's not love. Exactly. So we need to get very clear on the lies we're believing mm. and what the truth is. 
because you will soon find that you ain't going to find no truth there you're not helping yourself you're not healing yourself you're not relief releasing yourself you are chaining yourself up more and more each time yeah because it is it's so enslaving and even when you were just talking um I was just going to say like the scripture that does talk about, you know, sexual sin is the only sin against the body. Um, The issue with sexual sin is is such a poison that will, in fact, like open the door to the demonic, like literally bring so much darkness into your life and he violates your psyche where where you you don't even know who you are as a human. Yes, because. Mm -hmm sexuality is such a fundamental part of who we are it's a massive part of our identity and so if we sexually are broken or if we don't know who we are when it comes to orientation and we don't know if we're a male or we don't know if we're female all of those things you can never flourish as a human being you can never grow in in the divine purposes that God has got for you because you can't or you can't thrive because at your core you are broken sexually which has an impact on every part of you literally Bobby like just as you're speaking I'm just remembering like it the whole identity thing when it comes to like porn is it's a madness because porn will have you starting to dress like the women that you're seeing and I remember there was a stage where I thought okay if they're rough then that means they must really like me what on earth who told you that Stacey yeah yeah yeah, that is not that is not God's heart for me. Yeah. Like you end up doing certain stuff that you're thinking, hang on a minute, I'm not actually an animal here. Why am I being treated like this? Yeah. But you desensitize yourself to so many things. You think things are normal. Yeah. And it's, exactly. it's just not. And you think, oh, so this is how. So in this, I'm not getting any love on the outside. Mm. I'm being violated on the outside in, in the real world. But in this kind of world of the porn, I'm seeing these guys who are just like after these women who look hot they've got the boobs they've got all this kind of stuff you end up molding yourself to look like that subconsciously because you're thinking oh okay this is how they get this is how they get the yeah. men like this yeah. is that mean then it can move into oh yeah control which which is really witchcraft and you're like yeah. oh yeah you can I get now oh, I'm going to take you because I can control you now yeah. it just is a mess a yeah. complete mess it's so crazy because you know it's society's understanding that to be desirable yeah. you have to have your flesh on display to be desirable you have to look a certain way to be desirable you have to do certain things you have to be willing to give yourself um in certain ways and that's so crazy because actually generation upon generation then believe that lie and Mm. it's responsible for so much brokenness this deceiving message that says to be desirable you have to behave in a certain way or look a certain way and this is why the word of God and the truth of God and the freedom and the beauty of God and actually God's beautiful plan for sex and sexuality like we as believers we have to be willing to share it because there's an entire broken world that have believed a lie and they are dying on the inside just Mm. like you were just like Mm. I was and actually the only solution is that God's love and power and his goodness and his truth would come and set people free like that's the only solution you know only Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And because that's what happened to you. So talk me through how this cycle of you kind of being addicted to porn and then still being in violating relationships or, or like how did all of that cycle actually break? And 
what were some of the strategies that you found God giving you? Where was God in all of it? Like, tell me how mm. things shifted for you. Right. Okay. So I'd say, number one, I got to a place where I was actually like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this now. I'm actually sick of this now. So do you know what? I'm going to fight for my freedom. That was the first step. Make a decision. What do you want? Yeah. Because there's no point moaning about something and there's no point wallowing in something if, and you know, you want something different, but you're just not going to do anything about it. Yeah. So you have to be willing to be uncomfortable for a while. You have to be willing to be like, oh man, I dropped off today, but are you willing to get back up? So it's having that, that openness to what your, what your journey of healing may look like. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. And then I would say, if I'm going to talk about the the porn thing, for example, Mm -hmm. that looked like for me, telling a safe person, safe people, what I was actually dealing with. Yeah. So people are like, oh my, but how do I do that? Like, who do I tell? Like, you know, simple things. I've got a video on this on Facebook, if you want to watch it. But basically, I would say, find out, have a think to yourself, where do you feel most safe? Yeah. So that's an environment. So you might feel safe in your room. You might feel safe like on a bench somewhere on the hill, whatever it may be. So write a list of those things down. Then write out who do you feel safe with? Is mm. it a friend or like a an aunt or like a spiritual mum or something like that? And then you write down at what time of day do you think you want to talk to them? Because some people, you know, they prefer the night, they prefer the day. And mm. then there you have the location, you have the person, you have the time. Therefore, there's no more excuses. You mm. know when it's going to happen and with who. And then you make that phone call. Yeah. And you could be like, oh, no, I'm just going to text them. Remember what I said before, you have to, you know, be radical with this. So mm. be brave. Mm-hmm. And what you say is you say, hey, whoever it is, um, you know, I'm just, I have made a decision to pursue my healing. And part of that looks like me being transparent and vulnerable and having some accountability. Mm. Would you be open to walking this journey out with me? Just something like that, in your own words, you know, whatever. And then if they say, oh, oh, no, I can't, don't take that as a rejection. That's Mm -hmm. really key. Immediately don't choose not to take that as a rejection. That can just mean, like, they've got a lot on, right? But if they do, then weekly check in with them. Get yourself, like, practically put things on your computer and your phone that that kind of filters stuff for you. So you can use things like... Covenant Eyes or XX Watch, things like that. So basically your accountability partner will have a log of your history. So if something pops up, they can say, hey, like, what triggered this kind of stuff? But spiritually, which is the most important thing, when you get ready to, when that kind of sensation comes in the night and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm about to just watch some porn now, masturbate, Mm. I'm just feeling whatever, identify why that has come. So are you tired? are you just bored are you feeling a bit overwhelmed are you stressed they were like my things if I feel overwhelmed we've got a lot to do I mm. would find myself doing that or if I was really tired mm. so identify what your triggers are write that down next thing you do is you write down what lies are you believing it could be like things like oh god doesn't care anyway he's not even talking to me these days mm. lie so you can replace that lie with truth so for example you could say I am near to God which is Ephesians Ephesians 2 13 I think so you basically write down the lie the next to them 
you write down what the truth is so another lie you could be like um I'm a mess anyway like there's nothing what's the point my life's a mess there's nothing mm. I've got nothing to live for mm. lie we can replace that with a truth like I am purposeful for example yeah. Psalms 138 so what you do here is you begin to renew your mind and it won't happen overnight sometimes it yeah. can actually supernaturally God can do it whatever mm. but you list all the lies and you literally put all the truth next to it on a long list and whenever those thoughts come oh I'm this nope this is what the truth is but you say it with authority mm. like this is who I am this is who God says I am you continue to do that and sometimes you may fall but the key thing is get back up again quickly don't yeah. sit in it do not sit in it get up if it means taking a shower going out for a little walk doing a yeah. little dance in your room whatever it takes <laughs> and you have to sin I, I wasn't playing Bobby yeah I was like, you look out there you don't have to deal with what I'm dealing with yeah. in my heart so therefore I cannot base what I do or don't yeah. do on your opinion of me yeah, and yeah, that's, yeah. That I think that thing has stuck with me. That's why I have a kind of like, well, this is space. Yeah. You don't have to live with me. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? So that's, that's good. And then um, I'd say keep yourself, get really strict about what you let into your ear gate, your eye mm-hmm. gate. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because literally what you consume more, you have more of a desire for. Yeah. So if you only listen to, it might, maybe for a season, and this isn't a religious thing. I'm not yeah. religious. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> by any means, I don't even look religious, whatever. But you, you may say, okay, right, for this, for these two weeks or this month, for example, for a season, I am only going to listen to worship, whatever yeah. kind of whatever kind of type of you know Christian music you want. But that, and then you will notice that even as you sleep, I like to listen, let music play as I sleep because I find that really just makes me feel really good. Yeah. And also, whatever the thing is that you're struggling with, watch that. If you're a visual person, I'm a visual person, so I would type in things like Lisa Bevere or Purity, or I would um, type in the things that I want to be have more of. So I wouldn't focus on the shame or the guilt. Yeah, yeah. Focus on ah purity, a confident yeah. woman. I would focus so on good. identity. So you focus on the things that you want more yeah. of. Don't. Yeah. there's a time and place of focusing on okay what is shame what is all this stuff so you're clear but you know what that is right now because you've been living in it for how many Mm. years Mm. so focus on that stuff and you will find that after after a while you ain't trying to go back there because you know what that feels like because once you've tasted that freedom no no no, you're not trying to go back so I would say when you fall have have something that you can call do you know what I messed up today but it's very important who you pick you don't pick someone who's like yeah yeah me too I fell yeah last week as well nah (laughs) you need someone who's gonna keep you accountable yeah I was fortunate I had like amazing friends who'd be like Stace Mm. all right one forgive yourself Mm. ask God to forgive you let's pray and let's keep it moving this Mm. is who you really are you are you are a new creation you are redeemed you are qualified to share in his inheritance you are thought about you have the mind of christ you are loved constant constantly and unconditionally do you know i mean all this stuff you just have to have people who would just pour in the truth of who you are and then you would go more towards that because you ain't trying to no one's trying to be depressed the whole life do you know what i mean it's a very real thing of course i've been there um I mean all of that is so so rich and so practical which is so awesome um Stace like I 
I definitely want to hone in on what you said about um, having people around you, because one thing I'd love you to share is how did you even get to that stage where you're kind of like, okay, I I can't do this anymore? Like, how how did you even realize that there's a way out? Because for you, it Mm -hmm. was being around the Kingdom Choir and being around Karen that actually began to fuel this fresh new belief in you that said, actually, despite my shame, despite what I've been involved in, I am still loved. And so tell me a bit about that, bearing in mind um, that a lot of people don't actually have that, you know, Mm -hmm. like a lot of people, because although every um, strategy that you've given and actually knowing what God's word is saying about you, we know that that's an incredible tool. And we know that that's like a, a lifeline. But how did you even how did God even come into the picture, especially for people who who p- perhaps don't even know God and they're going through what you went through? So yeah. how, how did that happen for you? So I'd say, so even before I met Karen and people in the Kingdom Choir, I, I you know, went with my uncle to a church and stuff. So I grew up in the Catholic church, but, you know, there was no kind of relationship there. Right. And so, but what I would say, Bobby, is that, and I say this with the most love and compassion, but we can spend our whole lives talking about what we don't have mm. and dismiss what we do have. Mm. All of us, hopefully, maybe some may not actually, but we all have eyes to see. Yeah. We all have hands. We all have um, bodies to mm. move around. Mm. We need to use them now. Yeah. Because I'm all here. I'm all here for, you know, empowering people and and empathizing and having compassion however I don't want you to stay where you are Mm. therefore I need to remind you of what Mm. you actually have Mm. so you have the ability to go onto a computer to watch porn so therefore you have the ability to go onto a computer and research what it is that you need yeah you have the ability to find local churches and mm. hey, have fun with it. You may go to mm. one, you may not like it. Mm. And then what I had to do, even before I met Karen, was yeah. be like, hey, you have something that I want. Yeah. How do I get that? Mm. It's not you trying to copy or be who they are. It's about you see something on them that you would admire to have, you would mm-hmm. aspire to be or have. So for example, yeah. if you see a woman who just seems to ooze confidence or whatever, hey, how did you how did you get there? You have a mouth, so you are able to ask people questions. I don't want anyone to feel like I'm stuck here. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to learn about something, you have to seek it. Mm. And that is the Mm. most powerful thing we all have. You don't have to stay where you are. It's hard to get out of it, but my thing that was horrible, that is you are being abused, Yeah. actually. But if you live in the blame game and you do nothing with that, you are now abusing yourself yeah and that sounds harsh but of course I'm not being horrible because I've I've been there yeah (laughs) so it's not the random person speaking yeah but that's what it is and it's a hard pill to swallow at the minute no one's touching you Mm. but Mm. what we do and what we don't do is the most powerful thing that we have so my encouragement would absolutely be fight yeah fight fight I don't care if it hurts because it's almost like if you take a little baby to the doctor and they have to have a little um injection or something and you know that you know that you know it's going to make them better 
Mm. You're not going to not give them the injection just because they're crying. Yeah. I don't like to see you cry. I don't like to see you in pain. But you know what? I know what the end is going to be. If you do these things, that crying is going to be nothing compared to what you will experience. So that is what you need to focus on. Do not let the enemy stop you just because you're feeling a little bit of pain. Actually, Mm. you have been able, you have the capacity to deal with a lot of pain. That's the whole reason you're in the position you are right now. So Mm. don't be afraid. You are Mm. powerful. You are strong. Mm. What you need to focus on is what you want. And that is what you will see. God, that's so good. Um, and what has that actually looked like for you, for Stace, since you began to put your trust in God and you mm-hmm. let him order your steps and, and began to be led by his grace? And at the same time, you partnered with him and you were militant and you went after love and you went after purity, you went after freedom. Um, you are now enjoying an incredible relationship with the Lord and you are actually walking in purpose. So tell us what what life has been like for you since you disengaged with those lies that you that you experienced and actually began to walk in truth. What does that look like? Do you know what, Bobby? It I'm even smiling. It just is so liberating because you can go anywhere in the world and you can just have peace in your heart because you mm. actually love who you are. Yeah. And you know that you're loved and you know that actually, I think when you, when you really get that you actually have number one, a responsibility for your own joy. Yeah. For your own kind of stuff then. And on top of that, you have the ability, which I didn't know I had before to say no. Mm. It, mm. it changes everything when mm. you can say, actually, nah, yeah. <laughs> like, like within my, friendship circle now which is mainly the kid and choir friends will be like oh no nah, say say I'm gonna do that like they know yeah. that now they know that now say say on it she's not gonna do it like I just don't feel no way because again it goes back to what I said before when you've been through that fire yeah. you're not gonna allow any Tom Dick or Harry to bring you back for what mm. no mm. so you get very you get very not guarded in, in the sense of right I don't need to touch me because you'll hurt me yeah. it's not that it's yeah. just a healthy one that says actually I know that if I do this or if I engage in this it's going to bring me back to here because I know who I am and what my triggers are mm. so therefore I know you want me there but I can't do that for you right now yeah yeah so I think it's just been really and I think over time when you think you're in, in the thick of it and it's all it's you know all health breaking news and stuff you learn so many things about yourself and so once you have those tools in your tool bag so yeah. to speak you can use it in any situation mm. Mm. So, good. so whether it be you know I went on then to you know break off an engagement or whether it's because I'm not I'm not perfect do you know what I mean Bobby this is only one aspect in my life that I've overcome but I still yeah. hurt like everybody yeah. else I still yeah feel pain but ultimately I still have a decision to make with what I feel what happens after that yeah and that's what I want to encourage people to know that no matter what it is what now Mm. what are Mm. you going to do with that Mm. what am I going to do with that (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's empowering I am I mean literally Stace we've got about three minutes left um (laughs) The time has gone by so, so quickly and I've loved yeah. what you've shared. Honestly, it's been so, um, so rich, like so, so rich. Um, I would love you just to share like what you sense God saying just right now for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what 
what does God want to say through you? What does his love want to say through you to the audience um, right now? Okay. Um, what, I, what I sense God saying is that I see you. Yeah. And you're actually going to be okay. Mm. You're actually going to be okay. I know it hurts. I know it hurts. Yeah, I just sense just just I just sense that the theme of what we said just just be just be brave. Just be brave. You're going to be okay. Yeah. And I just feel like arm yourself up, like get that armor on, girls, like get your armor on. And so just just go into battle. You might need to go into that season where you go into battle for a while, but remember what we said, you are guarded by God. To yeah. Timothy. Learn the scriptures for the specific doubts that you have in your mind so that when the doubts come no the word of god is a double-edged sword it pierces through the bone marrow that's a sharp yeah, thing so good yeah <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, sharp. yeah so yeah. whatever your your fears are hey you don't have to stay there replace yeah. it with the truth that's your biggest weapon yeah and be brave go into battle and pursue and receive the healing that is actually available to you already yeah, so good and and it's not just for girls is it it's like boys come on like this is a word of freedom for not not even just this generation because these complex like fragile issues I mean they are enslaving every generation whether it's the youngest child whether it's someone you know I remember speaking recently at an event and I had like a man in a wheelchair who was probably in his 80s and he had tears in his eyes when he was like um how do I break free from the spirit of the world you know, like, and he was in his 80s. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so this is a word for everyone who may be wrestling um, in this area. And, um, yeah. yeah, that's so, so good, Stace. That's so good. I'm just so <laughs> pleased to hear from you. Um, and I know everyone who's listening will be too. Um, just as we close, I'm just yeah. going to 30-second prayer. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're going we're gonna to close the podcast. All right, cool. Jesus, thank you. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> and right now I just I just release your presence over yeah. every listener right mm. now. Mm. I just pray that you would encounter them wherever they are. And I pray for courage. Yeah. For these people that are listening. Yeah. Courage. And there's no courage without fear. And I pray that you would give them insight and visions and give them that strength that they need to pursue the things they need to pursue give them divine strategy that works specifically for them for where they are I pray for the relationships around them that they will begin to be seen the way you see them I pray that they'll be able to learn how to receive your forgiveness and then forgive them so that they can forgive others so they will not remain in a place of bondage father I thank you that you are going to continue to show them who you are and yeah. who they are in you. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Amen. 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 That's so good, Stace. I'm just going to add something to that prayer. Yeah. Um, yeah, Lord Jesus. Also, thank you, God. Even as everything that Stacey has prayed, God, I just thank you that you, like, we have full access to you. Like, even yeah. when we are in the middle of process and then we're in, we're in the middle of things that are imprisoning us, like, we can come to you. It doesn't matter how many times we might fall, like we can keep running 
back to you. There is no end yeah. to your mercy. There's no limit to your mercy. And you don't want us to come to you when we're all fixed and, you know, we've got a pretty mm. little bow and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm holy <laughs> now or, you know, yeah. I'm qualified now. Like you are the God that comes and walks alongside us despite us being unqualified despite us being frail and fragile and broken and in that place of brokenness you show up again and again and again because when we are weak you are strong God and that's not a license to sin but it's a place that says invite me into your struggle invite me into your process because I am real and I am love and I am here for you and we're in this together Mm -hmm. however long it takes we are going to get through this because I am your father in heaven and I love you and I've got an amazing plan for you and you are not alone so yeah Jesus Mm -hmm. we just thank you for that yeah thank you heavenly father thank you Jesus Stacy, babes, thank you so much. My um, pleasure. You are wonderful. And I just know that so many people would have been blessed to, to hear from you today. Yay! Aww, <laughs> thanks for having me, Bobby. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. I hope it blessed your socks off. All social media handles and links from today's episode can be found in the notes section. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share. You are most welcome to subscribe to the Living in Light podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do that via Instagram or Facebook, or you can head over to livinginlight.co.uk. I cannot wait to be with you guys again. And thank you so much for listening to the Living in Light podcast. Because you're beautiful, so be-